about my money, yeah, I don't play I got that Benjamin button, I'm looking better every day, boy huh. Girl, what's in your DNA, huh? I'm a boss and a savage huh. Girl, what's in your DNA, huh? You know I'm far beyond Hello, hello, welcome to the show Ooh, baby, today is going to be <laughs> Today is going to be a good one. I'm super pumped. We have a drum roll, please. Special, special guest. Um, Today, Tansy and I are interviewing our dad. Welcome, dad. Hi. Yay. So in light of Pride being going on right now, Pride Month, as well as Father's Day, we thought it was a perfect time to bring our dad onto the show, ask some questions, and get to know dad a little bit better. And I think that you all are going to resonate with a lot of what he's been through in life. He's a very amazing human being. So Tansy, I'm going to pass to you so you can get us kicked off. Yay. This is so much fun. I'm already like having the best time. Yay. (laughs) Um, so from my perspective, as I coach people and as I coach myself in life and all the things I've been through, I think one of the hardest thing for hardest things for people is to be themselves. And we say that all the time, like be yourself, be authentic. But I think the first step is people don't even know who they are. Like it's figuring out who you are and then owning that and then loving that it's a whole thing. And dad, I feel like now that I'm older and I see you now and I see who I am now, I realize that you having the courage to really be yourself and follow your heart, and it's going to make me cry. Um, You being you really shaped me a lot. And just, I think that everyone can learn from that. And I think it'd be cool to hear your story because that couldn't have been easy to completely uproot and change directions and and follow that. So can you speak on everything behind that? Sure. Let me, uh, let me lighten the mood a little bit first before we get going here. So what do you call a dinosaur that buys cheap toilet paper? Um, I have no idea. A megasaurus. ass. (laughs) That is such a dad joke. Oh my gosh. I know. It's such a dad joke, right? You're the best at those. Oh God. Um, Yeah. I mean, it's the, the history of, of, you know, what I've been through in terms of relationships and growing up and maturing and evolving has been actually a very, very long story. And I think that people have a tendency to sometimes just look at an event like coming out and putting it in a box and not realizing what went into it and what surrounded it on both sides prior to and and post the event. And for me personally, you know, it was um, obviously a very difficult decision. It's something that um, I thought of when I was young, when I was a teenager and in my twenties and it, it was always there, but I, I think that, I had the ability as do a lot of people to stuff it down and compartmentalize it so that, you know, it really wasn't a focus in my life. And that was purely based on fear. I mean, I grew up in a very conservative area 
and in a conservative family. And, you know, it was just to give you an idea of how hard it was. My first experience, unfortunately, was when I was 12 years old and it wasn't by choice. So I never told anybody that. I never shared that because there was so much shame that went into that experience. And, you know, that followed me through because of my group of set of friends and my family. And not that people were judgmental because the fear was based on a lie because the people that were in my life are still in my life and love me no matter what. But the process of dealing with it was very, very odd because I dated, as you know, a lot of women and, you know, I've been married to two women and I was probably somewhat in my 20s leaning towards the promiscuous side. But I think that was just some compensation that I was doing because I didn't want to face, you know, that I was gay. But what really happened was when, when I got married the first time, it was a high school sweetheart that we ended up getting married and graduated college and the marriage ended for various reasons. Um, and that really hurt. And then I moved forward and I moved to South Carolina and that's where I met your wonderful mother. And we fell in love and got engaged and got married and, you know, started to build a life. And there's, there are things that started to surface. There's only so much that a human being can stuff down for so long. I mean, let's face it. And just so that we're clear, just for the purpose of your podcast, I had never had a relationship with a guy. So that doesn't mean that I didn't have intimate relationships or I shouldn't say relationships. I didn't have intimate moments with guys, but I never had a relationship. I never allowed my experience to go that far. And that was because I didn't wanna be put in that category and pegged. So when mom and mine's marriage was struggling, um, we ended up seeking counseling as most couples do. And a lot of stuff started to surface because I was allowing myself to be honest in the counseling. So that's when your mother, your mother and I had a long conversation and a talk and we cried a lot and it was hard, but I do said- you, Do you remember that moment? Like, do you remember how it felt? I will never forget that moment. It's, it was one of the hardest that it was, it all happened over a certain weekend because my mom and dad were in town. And on Friday, I had this therapy meeting and it was just me and the therapist. And I said, I think I'm gay. And the therapist said, well, you know, that that's something that you're gonna have to come to terms with buddy because you're fucking married. And I was like, oh my God. And you know, it was just like, my head was spinning and your grandmother and grandfather came in that weekend because it was my birthday weekend. And that Friday afternoon, 
your mom and I got into a fight and mom was, Gary, I've had enough of this. You need to go spend the weekend with your parents in the hotel. So I left you guys with her. I went to the hotel, it was only like a mile away. But I went to the hotel and my mom and dad, it was Saturday night and we were at dinner and you and mom weren't with us. And I just, it just fucking blurted out of my mouth. I was like, you guys, um, this is really hard to, to say out loud, but I think I'm gay. And you know your grandmother, I mean, Judge Judy, first thing out of her mouth was, well, I hope it wasn't anything I did. And oh, wow. then, you know, she kind of just had this look at her face. And then my dad said, oh, well, I'm not surprised. And I was like, what the hell is that? Because you guys know, I'm, you know, I don't prance around in a tutu and, you know, get into all the stuff that I'm, I'm just a guy's guy, just a normal, regular dude. So that was a struggle. Um, I shocked my parents. And then on Sunday, I talked to my mom and dad because I was very close to them. And they said, you got to talk to Evans tomorrow. So it was on Monday that mom and I sat down in the house on fiddle and I told her what I thought. And there was a lot of back and forth. There was a little bit of crying. Um, there was shock. And what's weird is this wasn't something that I had had the chance to process myself yet. So it wasn't like, I'm fine with this. So mom was the only one that was dealing with this shock and this struggle. I mean, we were both going through it together. So we came up with a lot of plans. We had a lot of talks. I have a question. Yeah. Tiana, is it okay if I ask something? Mm -hmm. Are we good? Um, do you think now looking back that being maybe in denial or not fully being honest with yourself, how do you feel that that uh, came to this or like affected you in your life in other ways? Oh, that that stress, that denial of who I was manifested itself in a lot of different ways. That, yeah, that's the question, manifested. Through drugs, through alcohol, through sex. Um, that, in, and what I'm saying is in unhealthy ways. Yeah. And it wasn't until mom and I separated that I started to get a handle on it with some therapy. And, you know, mom and I, when we separated, we lived apart. And I met my first boyfriend, I guess is what you'd call him. And um, this, is, this is the part, you can tell I'm leaning forward, this because I'm getting serious. This is the part that most people don't understand, at least in the United States. People think that being gay is about sexuality. They don't understand at all. And they cheapen it by doing that, by the way. They don't understand that it's purely a connection of the heart. That a romantic connection is something that comes from your heart. So while I thought that 
you know, I was in love with mom and Ann and all the other girlfriends that I had and whatever. When I met this guy and we met at the gym and we started to date, I did fall in love with him. And it was nothing that I had ever experienced before. So it's surprising to you as the person that's that this is happening to that you're like, what the hell? And I'm assuming I can't say because I didn't go through it. I'm assuming that I was fucking feeling what most 13, 14, 15, 16 year olds are feeling when they have their first crushes. And I was a dude in my thirties and it was, it was enlightening and it was hard. Um, I have a question. Do you think that upon verbalizing that you were gay to your parents, to mom, did you feel instant relief or did it take a while to? Dude, it's like the weight of the world was lifted off my shoulders. So is, that, is, that, is that acceptance from yourself that allowed you to feel that way? Or just the fact that you were owning it? Or what is that? Why, why did you feel like that? So... I also have a question to add to that. Why do you, can you remember like specific questions that allowed you to get to that, like to dive that deep and to realize that that's what was surfacing? All right. You so, totally stole my question. No, uh, like, part, like part one, I think that goes along with it. No, all right. something that, something that you guys aren't going to be able to relate to, but anybody who's gone through the coming out process or who has, you know, had a secret that they haven't talked about is gonna know exactly what I'm talking about. Which is, I think everybody at some point. Yup. The amount of effort that it takes to make sure that nobody knows your secret is unbelievable. So whether that is through a habit of checking out hot women so that the people you're with see you checking out hot women rather than dudes or watching TV and, you know, I don't know, back then Brad Pitt comes on and using certain language and using a body language so that nobody will pick up on the slightest hint. And it, all, it all makes sense now. You're, you're making up for lost time. Yeah. As you, <laughs> as you speak on every hot dude you see. Yeah. <laughs> you have to, you have to make up for it. Yeah, so people out there that don't know me don't understand that uh, I have a tendency to verbalize somebody that I find attractive. And <laughs> it doesn't matter who it is, whether it's with the kids or my colleagues at work. And everybody laughs because they know it's harmless. But Dad, we get it. Um, you're popular, but could you silence the phone? Yeah, what's the deal with that? One minute. One thing I want to say about that is I think even I can relate to that like that wanting freedom from yourself and your own secrets. Like, I think even social media can do that to you sometimes of like, if you're not being authentically yourself, it can be such a job. It can be so taxing. It can be so draining because you're trying to be this version of yourself or cover up that you're not actually perfect. And you're, you know, you're having to have, find the right filter. We're just living in a world where like, we're the, you know, it's not, accepted to just be human and so the drainingness wow it's not a word of that yeah no that's a good I think word. I think everyone can relate to that hiding and 
people think that hiding is safer, but hiding is killing you slowly. <laughs> mm -hmm. It takes a toll. It exacts a toll and you create a public persona that you want people to see. And it's not just gay people do, do that. It's everybody that has an Instagram account or a Facebook account. You post the best pictures, you post your travel, but there's more to life than all that. And like you said, Tance, that was an exact statement. It does take a toll on you and it will find a way to manifest in an unhealthy way. Yeah. And so for some people, it manifests in disease. You know, there's, there's so much data and studies out there that show that stress, internal stress, can, can take all forms in the body, whether it's cancer or high blood pressure or anything like that. It's not healthy, but the fear of people finding out your secret and not facing who you really are on the inside, all it does is it teaches you not to love yourself. Yeah. Ooh, so good. And so I think coming out 30 years ago looks way different than it does today. Yeah. yeah. But um, I wanted to ask you, so for those who are listening, our dad works in the medical device space. He's been in that space for basically our entire lives, very much corporate. Um, so do you deal with anything in terms of feeling like you have to hide yourself today? Or no. do you deal with any, I guess, judgment from people in nope. today's world? Not a speck, not a speck, whether it's my colleagues, the physicians I work with, the staff, the administrators, everybody knows because everybody knows I'm married to Dean and they invite us both out and we're included in everything. And, you know, they'll make fun of me. I mean, you can imagine some of the shit that comes out of their mouths about being gay and they think it's hilarious. I can walk into a lab and, you know, the text walls, I can't, some of the stuff I can't even repeat. Yeah. And the doctors and, you know, it's, I have been very fortunate because I know gay people in general, I know gay people in general don't experience that. There's a lot of rejection. I haven't had any. So, okay. I think that's amazing. First of all, I think that is seriously so freaking cool. Are there any situations that you put yourself into that you feel uncomfortable in today's world? Like, can you think back in the last couple of years, have you been uncomfortable somewhere or wanted to maybe revert back to hiding who you were? No, but I did when you were kids. It was very painful. What did that uh, look like? Like, tell us, tell us about that. Um, some of the most painful moments in my life. Um, after mom and I got divorced and you guys started your uh, travel teams for basketball. Mom and you guys had this amazing connection with this group of people that traveled everywhere and stayed in hotels. And um, I was by myself at that time. And I can remember nobody was ever overtly ugly to me, but I was an outsider and it was A, because mom and I got a divorce, but I know a lot of it because of where we lived 
people were not as accepting as gay, of gay people. And I had to watch you guys um, from afar when, um, when we would be in the hotels and then everybody would go to dinner. And, you know, mom did a pretty good job later on of making sure that I was included um, in the conversations and the dinners because she could probably see and sense my discomfort. But there was an awful feeling of being outside and just being almost unworthy. And thankfully, um, the love that I felt for you guys was strong enough to make me not give up. And thankfully, your mother being such a decent human being probably started to recognize that and include me more and more, not just with you guys, but with the people that we were with. So yeah, Chan, to answer your question, I haven't had to deal with that in years. But back then, um, it was really hard. It was really hard. And I can't tell you how many times I came close to giving up. Um, go on, next question. I, well, I was going to say something in response to you saying that now you don't feel like you feel like everyone around you accepts you and um, celebrates you and you laugh with them and you make jokes. And I think we've said this on the podcast before to like go where you're celebrated, not tolerated. And it's easier said than done, but I feel like you've put an effort to surround yourself with people that celebrate you. Like that's something you had to do. And you also had to face people not accepting you, like you said, because you didn't really have a choice because that's where your kids were. So that is something. But I also think two things. I think you own it so much. Like you own who you are so much that like no one has any chance to even talk shit. Yep. And that is what I think people need to hear too. It's what I need to hear. Like it's when we, when we tippy toe away and like, are waiting for someone to say something or aren't fully owning who we are that like people feel space to judge it. It's like when you own it and you're already laughing at yourself, like no one can say anything. And I think the fact that you laugh at yourself taught me that I think Chandler and I both are really good at laughing at ourselves and not taking ourselves seriously. Um, but that's like a superpower, I think to be able to laugh at yourself and to not get offended by everything like that the world we're living in, like we could get offended by everything and any, like you take your power back. You've snatched your power back of I'm going to be the funny one here. This is who I am. I mean, you are, you've always been the funny one and I'm just going to own it. And that's why I think you are where you are and no one can say shit to you. <laughs> yeah. It's that's, I mean, that's a good point. And, it, but it has to be authentic. Yeah. It's sometimes I see people and then not being gay, but just in general, I mean, people have, everybody has a struggle in life and whether it's, you know, for all intents and purposes of this 
podcast, whether it's working out or losing weight or a history of abuse, whether it's substance abuse or maybe physical abuse or whatever, when you get to the point where you're okay with yourself and you actually like yourself, then being a badass isn't about creating that persona of being a badass. Mm -hmm. Really just don't give a shit what anybody thinks because, and maybe this means I need more therapy for more um, (laughs) evolving, but you get to a point where you're like, I've had so much validation throughout my life, positive validation from people that now I can give it to myself. And so I don't need anybody else's validation anymore. It's such a cool process. Yeah. And I think, I think going through what you went through of people hating on you and of feeling like an outcast is what strengthened your skill to be able to be like, F you, I'm good. I don't even well, want I think, to. I, I think it goes deeper than that. He went through decades of hating himself before mm-hmm. anyone else could hate him Ooh. and he faced it. That's the thing is I think the biggest lesson coming out of this specific episode is you don't know what anyone's going through, first of all, in their mind, in their heart, or what has affected them. So number one, release judgment. But number two, this whole podcast has been centered around being who you want to be because you love yourself. And so if you could do anything right now in today's world, I think we're getting to an amazing point with with LGBTQ and all of this stuff and accepting one another. But he just said that his connection isn't sexuality. It's based off of connecting heart to heart with someone. Why would we, why would you want to take that away from somebody feeling that kind of love? I think those are the things we can think about from this episode is there's just so much that goes into this. There's so much, it's so complex, but at the end of the day, it's about love. Yeah. Well, and I think dad makes the point too, of like how he's received love from others, but you know, there's this thing going around too. That's like, love yourself so that you can love everybody else. But really like you have to love other people to be able to love yourself. Yeah. Like, I really think if you can have compassion for others and say, I don't know what you're like, I, we love people. And that's that practice of being able to love on someone who's, who I don't fully understand and, and still feel so much love is part of what allows us to love ourselves too. Yeah. And I think to segue this conversation, we have a lot of moms that listen to this podcast and there's always going to be childhood terrors that you have to face. Like, I think, I believe as adults, everyone has to face their, their inner child there's something that went wrong for everyone. It's you're never going to have a perfect childhood. However, having parents like we had, where we had divorced parents, I was two, Tancy was five when our parents divorced and my dad was gay. And my mom was then a single mom. At that point, my mom never once said anything negative about gay people, never once said anything negative about my dad. And then every weekend, they would drive and meet each other four hours each way so that we would get to spend time with them both. That takes so much strength as parents. And I don't think that we would be the same people without that type of connection. I just have to say like growing up with, with a gay dad and a mom who struggled in her own ways as well, 
and showing us that there's still so much love to be shown and had for anything gave us such a big perspective. And I think that that's why we are the people we are today. Tanti and I will love you no matter what. And it's because of our parents. It's because of the way that we were brought up. Yeah. Uh, really quick, dad, like not like within 30, a 30 second to one minute answer. Do you remember telling us me and Chan? Because everyone asked me that I'm like, I've just, you must've told us right when it happened. Cause I don't remember it being this big thing. I just remember probably being, not me. I was two. I, yeah. I don't know that we took the time to explain it. Cause I mean, Tance, you were only four and Chandler was only one and a half. Um, but I did want to touch on something since you're the one that brought it up about a lot of women that listen to this podcast, um, are divorced. It wasn't always that way with mom and I, there was a struggle at first. And if you'll allow me to elaborate, I'll tell you what got us to the point where we decided to work together. Mm. <clears throat> so when mom and I- We're not dealing with a lot of divorced people. She, she said <laughs> a lot of moms, but it's fine. Okay, it's all right. Okay. Well, he did. Right. Thank you. I just wanted to clarify that, but also I think okay. there's, I a, there's a big message in here in the way you respond to hard times and relationships with people that we everyone can relate to. So yeah. please. Elaborate. So you guys know this story, but this was the turning point where your parents decided to work together and not fight each other. Mm. And Tansy was four years old. Chan, you were just little. And mom and I, after we got divorced, we fought a lot. I mean, it was, it got ugly. And it was, I mean, it was, the whole situation was painful. So it came out that way where mom and I fought a lot. And one day we were at the house on fiddle and mom and I were having a screaming match and Tansy being Tansy <laughs> decided to do something that turned out to be a knock on the back door. And we went, mom and I went and answered the back door to see who was there. And there were three cop cars in the driveway and I was like, what the fuck? And the cop said, we had a 911 call saying there was a domestic disturbance here. And I looked at Evans and I said, your mom. I said, did you call the cops? And she goes, no, did you call the cops? I said, no. And Tansy peeks out. I don't know if you remember how the back door came through, but the kitchen, there was a wall there. Tansy peeks her head out from around the corner and I looked at Tansy and I said, Tansy, did you call 911? And Tansy immediately goes, ah, I don't want to go to jail. I don't want to go to jail. So I'm like, what? And this cop is wide-eyed and there's literally like six sheriff in the driveway. Six. So, there were three, now there's six. Well, there were three cop cars and six Two sheriff. Each. <laughs> and so mom grabs Tansy and she's like, oh, it's okay, honey, it's okay. And Tansy's screaming, I don't want to go to jail. And mom said, did you call 911? You said, yes. Well, it turns out Tansy, and then of course, you know, Chandler starts bawling because Tansy's screaming and crying. And mom and I are looking at each other like, what the hell happened here? Well, it turned out Tansy had just learned in preschool about 911. And she decided to take it upon herself to make her parents stop fighting. Well, guess what? Mom and I sat down at that point and said, this is never gonna happen again. We are gonna work together from this point forward 
and do the best that we can do to focus on our kids and not ourselves. And you know what? It worked out. We, I mean, we co-parented beautifully. Mm -hmm. You guys live with mom. So I gave her free reign because she was a better parent than I was anyway. I was kind of selfish, but regardless, she had better insight and it worked out great. That's how we got to that point, you guys. Yeah, crazy. I think that takes such strong adults. Yeah, well, we have a few more minutes and you're still here living your best life, chasing your dreams, doing the things that you wanna do. You just up and left the entire life that you've built in Michigan and built basically a freaking mansion that should be on MTV Cribs, not mansion. (laughs) whatever. It, it's like the coolest place ever in Sedona, Arizona. Like, what are you hold doing? On, hold on. How Maybe. long did you live in, how long did you live in Michigan in that home? I lived at that house for 21 years, 21 years. Okay. How old are you? 72. Chandler, oh <laughs> that God. joke is not funny. <laughs> how old are you, dad? 60 something. What dad? 71. Okay, he's 71. No, he's... Shut the fuck up. I'm going to be 63 this summer and okay. I look like I'm 43. So let's get that straight. Because nobody... <laughs> Okay, so... No intended. <laughs> 63, you've lived in that house for 20-something years and you decided to sell that house, pack everything up. Actually, I think you gave most of it away. But, mm-hmm. and go move across the country what the heck? Like that is most people don't do that once in a lifetime, let alone and in your sixties. So tell us how you're feeling about that. Amazing. I love it. I mean, it was honestly, it might've been different if you hadn't moved and Tansy had planned on staying, but you guys aren't going to stay there. So because Dean and I are so in love with the area of Sedona, you know, we've talked about years buying a house. And so we did that. And then time came because I'm so blessed with work because I have an amazing job. Because you work your butt off. You work your ass off. We can say that on here. All right. I work my ass off. We, um, we have it, to talk about that because that's a part of it. Yeah. 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 So I, I mean, I was going to retire. I'm, I'm fortunate enough and blessed enough that I could potentially retire and my company came back to me and said please don't retire if you've got it in you and I said okay I got another couple good years they said write your write your own story what do you want to do so I did they said fine so I Dean and I moved out to the house and as I sit here staring out my back window at the ravines and the red rocks for Coconino National Forest and you know what the front view looks like with the view of the Red Rocks. I mean, it wasn't a hard decision to move here. It was hard decision to leave there. Yeah. Ooh, that's good. It wasn't a hard decision to move there. It was a hard decision to leave there. I I think that's huge. I mean, that's, I think that's so true. I always say like, when you're fighting so hard to become this person, but you're so, you won't let go of that old version of you. Mm-hmm. I, I think everyone needs to hear that to wrap this up is like, in order to step into your dream life, like literal dad, you are living your dream life right now. You have to be willing to let go of 
your old life. Like you got to like, I think learning to trust yourself and love yourself enough to take the step you are in alignment with so many, so much positive energy that things happen for you. Like you are able to relocate your job. You it's honestly, uh, we don't have enough time, but the way things worked out for you is insane, but you took a leap of faith and you loved yourself enough to do that. And I think that the universe works for you when you do things like that. So clearly you've been doing that for a long time. Isn't that what this whole podcast is about is not yes, running, away, not running away from something, but mm -hmm. running to something. Like I said, moving here is the easy part, but thankfully I wasn't running away because I hated Michigan. Yeah. It was just, this was a dream. So, and that's kind of whole, the whole gay thing. If you can find a way to release who you were and this to all people who are gay and especially teenagers, if you can find a way to just hang in there and, and do the work, it gets better. And then all of a sudden, all these opportunities open up and, but it has to be done the right way. And you can't run away from who you are or run away from a situation, face it head on. And that's when your dreams start to come true. Cause then you have a place to go. I love it, dad. I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud to be your daughter. You well, are I'm, I'm prouder to be your guy's father. That is, I've made that plenty clear. I have two amazing kids that not a parent out there wouldn't feel blessed to have in their life and enrich their life and kind of keep me on track and also keep me in line. <laughs> <laughs> Love you so much, Dad. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to all of those listening and happy pride. happy pride. Love you so much, Dad. All right. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Boss, huh? Yeah, I slay. I'm a bad mom. That's what they say. I'm by my money. Yeah, I don't play. I got that Benjamin button. I'm looking better every day, boy. Huh. Girl, we'll see your DNA, huh? I'm a boss and a savage. Girl, we'll see your DNA, huh? You know I'm far beyond average. <laughs> Girl, we'll see your DNA.